Now, where we're starting, some of you will think you know exactly where we're going, probably because you've heard me teach something from this scripture before, very specifically, maybe more than once. Stay with me. We're not quite going the same place fully. I believe the Lord would talk to us. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Very familiar scripture to us, right? Verse 2. And the earth was without form. No form. That means no structure. No form, no structure. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And watch. The Spirit of God. Everybody say the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. I'll tell you something. Genesis is the book of beginnings. Genesis, of course, means beginning. It's the book of beginnings. And so it's probably why I love the book of Genesis so much because so many majorities of threads throughout the Scripture start in the book of Genesis. You can see something there, and then there's a principle that's established in the beginning that carries throughout the scripture and that you and I still walk in today because of the principle of beginning. Because anything God does, we may see it in the natural, but it always has a spiritual principle. And so because the natural is temporal, but the spiritual is eternal. And so the spirit of God moved. The spirit of God is never stagnant. Don't worry, I'll show you more scripture. The Spirit of God moved. If you were in the first service or you went back and watched and listened to the first service last week, we talked about that. That's why I was sort of surprised that we're sort of coming back into that vein a little bit today, but sometimes the Lord keeps us somewhere for a minute. The Spirit of God moved. Jesus told Nicodemus when Nicodemus came to him, said, you know, you're a rabbi, teacher, no man can do these things you do except God be with him. In John chapter 3, Jesus said to him, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus was confused, thinking in the natural, right? Nicodemus said, how can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb? Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. He said, don't marvel that I tell you, you must be born again. And then Jesus said this to Nicodemus. He said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Don't be surprised or don't marvel that I told you, you must be born again. What was he telling Nicodemus? Nicodemus, you were born naturally, but you need to be born of the spirit. And then he said, the wind blows where it listeth or where it chooses you can't hear you hear the sound thereof, but you can't tell where it's coming from or where it's going. Jesus said to Nicodemus, such is everyone that is born of the spirit. Right. And so that's what Jesus said. Now, here we are in Genesis one. The spirit of God moved. It's the same spirit that Jesus is talking to Nicodemus about. You can hear it, but you can't tell where it's coming from or where it's going. The earth had no structure. It was void. Darkness moved on the face of but the Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters. Do you believe that? I believe that. I, I, I don't believe that there was a big bang. I mean, maybe there was a big bang, but if there was a big bang, it's when God said, let there be. And bang, it was. 
That's my Big Bang Theory, except it's not a theory. It's the Word of God, which is forever settled in heaven. I think it takes more faith to believe that there was nothing and a bang happened that threw all this in place than it takes faith to believe there was a creator that created. There was a designer that designed. Okay, so the Spirit of God moved. Please stay with me. The Spirit of God moved. Verse 3. And God said, now everybody say, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. Now, again, some of you, you think you know where we're going, but hang in there. There is a principle. It's a principle in the beginning that runs throughout the word of God. We're not going to go through all of that today necessarily, but there is a principle. You lay hold on it and you go study it and dig into the word. The Spirit and the Word working together. The Spirit of God and the Word of God. Okay? These are attributes of God. God is split up into parts. But the Spirit of God and the Word of God, these attributes of God functioning together that can create something from nothing. This is God's design. That's why you can read later on one place in Scripture it says, The letter of the law killeth. But the Spirit gives it life. This is why John, in John 1 and 1, said, In the beginning, same beginning here, beginning of time, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. The Word was God. You skip down to verse 14 in the same chapter of John 1. It says, And the Word, or God, was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. Whose glory? God's glory. This is the Word being made flesh. And so we see this principle in the beginning. Again, stay with me. I'm going to try to stop saying that. But I, what happens is we start hearing something and we start trying to get ahead. Where's He going? What's He saying? What's He going? Just hang on. We're going to get there. So the Spirit of God, the Word of God, not two separate things, attributes of God work together and from nothing was created something. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. And oh, by the way, He can still do that. Because He's God. He can still, by His Spirit and His Word, create something from nothing. You know, it, it brings to mind a, a humorous but enlightening story of the scientist that said, I can do that, was in an argument with God, said, I can create as well. And the Lord said, is that right? Yeah. He said, I sure can. And so the Lord, he said, you start and whatever you do, I'll create as well. And so the Lord said, okay. He took some dust and created an elephant. Elephant trumpets and walks off. The scientist said, all right. He took some dirt and the Lord said, hold on a minute. Get your own dirt. He created from nothing. We miss that sometimes. That's the power of the Spirit of God and the Word of God, those working together. And we see this in the beginning, this principle in the Word where God's Spirit and Word, this is why someone can pray a prayer of faith under the anointing and the unction and the leading of the Spirit of God. And a body that is sick can be restored. What happens? Faith 
And it's not the individual that prayed. That individual is simply the vessel. But it's the operating of the Spirit of God through an individual that yielded to the Spirit of God and then declared the Word of God. This is what it's talking about in the Bible when it says of Jesus, He sent His Word and healed them. How did He send His Word? He sent His Word by His Spirit that moves. And so the Word of God and the Spirit of God operates together to heal, to deliver, to set free, to do a work. We see this throughout time. And so this is critical. I know you're saying you want more evidence. I'm going to give you some in the Word of God. Just stay with us here. And so this is what happens. Some of you know the testimony, but I'll tell it for those of you that don't know. There was a lady that had, uh, I'll give you the shortened version. This lady, Mavis Jasper, her liver was failing. She was dying. They gave her less than two weeks because she was bloating because her liver had shut down. And so toxins were filling her body. Her body was physically growing and then said she's going to die because of all these toxins. But even if the toxins didn't kill her, she would literally explode. Well, they knew the toxins would kill her before. So they gave her two weeks or less. We, we could tell from day to day. She was, it was the strangest thing. We were praying one Saturday night at church, a small group. And in prayer, I'm praying. I'm like, you've prayed sometimes. Oh, God, please. Oh, God. Can you imagine how it feels to God when we beg him to be God? We do that, though, don't we? Our begging sometimes reveals our lack of faith. Now, I understand desperation, and we should cry out with desperation. But, so I'm doing that. I'm begging, pleading, let, kneeling right there. And I felt the Spirit of the Lord speak to me, Brother Sin. And he said, why don't you just ask me to give her a new liver? I never thought such a thing in my life. And I didn't feel lightning bolts when that happened. Like, oh, there was none of that. I was kneeling. I had my face down in the pew, Brother Israel. And I literally, this was my response. Okay, Lord, give her a new liver in Jesus' name. Wasn't that a powerful prayer? It was. It absolutely was. Because I spoke the word of God that came to me by the Spirit of God. It wasn't based on what I felt. Faith doesn't come by feeling. Faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the... Uh, faith comes by... See, we think it comes by feeling. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. I heard the Word of God. And so I did. Okay, Lord, give her a new liver. Her husband happened to be there praying with us that night. He got up. Well, so I'm, I'm thinking, okay. And I was done. Well, the Lord dealt with me. And he said, there was just a small group. There was less than 20 people, maybe less than 15. It was very informal. Started. The Lord dealt with me and said, now I want you to tell these people what I just had you pray so that when it's done, they'll know I did it. It was a lot easier with my face in the pew to say, Lord, give her a new liver than it was to say, what? Now, I got something to say. Now, you might be sitting here thinking, oh, wow, that's powerful. Jump up and tell them. No, you wouldn't have. Right? It's one thing to pray a prayer of faith. It's another thing to declare. And so there I am. And I'm, I'm you ever wrestle with God's direction? Of course you do, because you're human just like I am. And so I'm, I'm wrestling, and so we're done. Again, very informal. And so 
Bishop gets up there, you know, just saying something at the close. Hey, thanks for coming tonight. Thanks for praying. I'm like, oh, man, I'm 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 probably not visibly moving around. But internally, man, I'm just like, you know, what I'm talking about just being real here this morning. I mean, what do you do? Uh, Excuse me, I have something to say. That's not who I am. I know some of you don't believe that, but that's really not who I am. And so, he's like, you know what? Why don't you just come say something before we go? The Lord is my witness. That's exactly what he said. And I knew the Lord's not letting me off. And so I went up there. I said, this might sound crazy, but, and I just told the story that I just told you. This is what happened. This is what God said. This is what I prayed. Her husband was there. He grabbed his phone. He called her. He called her. I'm telling you, the Lord is my witness, and there's plenty of other witnesses. That moment, she began to heal. Her body got smaller. When she went back, to, they were like, she went back. She wasn't there. I didn't lay my hand on her. What happened? I simply heard the word of the Lord. And I spoke it and the spirit of God and the word. Now watch. God didn't just heal her. Do you remember what the Lord told me to ask him? Why don't you just give her? I said, okay, Lord, give her a new liver. I wasn't commanding God. I was obeying what he told me to do. She went to the doctor. The doctor's like, it's functioning. There's no issue. Her body started going back down. Her body started functioning the way it was supposed to. Clearly, they knew it's functioning. She went in for a follow-up just a short time later. They had done scans, all that jazz. She's sitting on the bed or the bench or whatever it is, waiting on the doctor to come in and say something to her. He comes in. He's got her charts or whatever, however that works. And he's just going on. He's like, something's wrong with your record. Something's wrong with your record. Something wrong. She's like, what do you mean something's wrong? He says, it says here on your record that you had uh, that you had uh, hepatitis. Couldn't remember what it was. Said that you had hepatitis, yada, 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 yada. And when he told her that, her head sort of dropped in shame a little bit. She said, yeah, it's true. I did it one time. My brother and I both got it. We shared a needle. We were both on drugs years ago. And when we did drugs, I got hepatitis. He did too from the needle. He said, no, that's not possible. And she said, well, no, it is. And told him a little more of the story. And he's like, no, it's not possible. Well, you'd have to know Mavis. She's like, well, hold on a minute. You call me a liar. She, she's one of those people who bow her back a little bit and say, let me tell you what for. <laughs> so she's getting a little irritated now at this point. He's telling her, no, it's not possible. And so she's like, it is possible. Why would you say it's not possible? He said, well, I'm looking at these scans and I'm reading. Your record says you have to, but I'm looking at these scans of your liver. And anybody that's ever had hepatitis, it leaves a signature in their body. And the signature in their body, it leaves the signature. I should see the fact that you once had hepatitis. I should see it on your liver. And he said, there's no indication on your liver that you've ever had hepatitis. And when he said that, you have to know maybe she's a little crazy. You know, when the Lord does something for you, you do crazy stuff. Hear her tell it. She can tell a lot better than I did. She jumped off that and said, oh, God gave me a new liver. And the doctor says, oh, that makes sense. And she's like, what? He's like, oh, that makes sense. So you got a liver transplant. I know. God gave me a new liver. I'm telling you, the spirit and the word. It's a principle from the beginning 
We don't have time this morning to walk through all of it. But I can show you multiplicity of places through Scripture. This is why when someone receives the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you think that's coincidence. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, right? And they began to do what? They began to speak words. Yes? They began to speak with other tongues and other languages. How did they speak? Where did the utterance come from? The Spirit. They spoke words that the Spirit moved into that place and words came. This is why the Scripture can say, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature or a new creation Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. How can all things be made new? I'll tell you how. The Creator, by His Spirit and His Word, can move into a life. And that which was old can be made new. Not refurbished. Not restored. New. There's a difference. The word that was used in the Greek is new. How is it possible? Because He's still the Creator. He doesn't just fix you up. If you're broken, he can make you new. He can make you new. When Jesus came to the man laying at Solomon's temple in the, or in Solomon's porch, and he said, would you like to be made whole? He didn't say, would you like to walk and be, have your legs work better? You look at that word. He said, whole. When Jesus spoke to the nine lepers and they came to him and said, if you will, you can make us clean. And they came. And he said, go show yourself to the priest. And one came back. You remember? The Bible says that as they went, they were cleansed. But one came back and gave him thanks. And he said, I guess there were ten lepers, weren't they? He said, were there not ten? Where are the other nine? But notice what Jesus said to the one that came back and gave him thanks. He said, thy faith has made you whole. And if you look and you study that passage of Scripture, the word cleansed, that as they went, they were cleansed is different than the one that came back that was made whole. Anybody know anything about leprosy? Leprosy, leprosy will cause people to lose body parts. People with leprosy have been known, especially cartilage, parts of cartilage. People with leprosy have been known to have their ear. Leprosy has ate their ear away, so there's a hole there, but the ear itself is gone. Drawing attention to my big ears. Their nose, their nose would, leprosy would eat away at their nose. Parts of their flesh would eat away by leprosy. And so people that God would touch or people's lives that would be, that leprosy would leave their body and they no longer have leprosy, they would still have evidence. You with me? The evidence would be there. I was a leper. I'm not anymore. Leprosy is not in my body. But you can see the marks because my ear didn't grow back. My nose didn't grow back. These places in my body that leprosy destroyed didn't come back. But that man that came back and thanked him, the word there is whole. 
That means not only are you cleansed, but any effect of leprosy that it had on your body, you are restored whole back to the original design. I'm telling you, that happens by spirit and word. He is still the creator. It's who he is. It's in his nature. It's not just what he does. And this is the power of the spirit and the word operating together. And the spirit of God moves. It moves. It moves. I'm going to fast forward through scripture here, but you've got to know this. And This is a principle. If we'll lay hold on it, it will dramatic, dramatically change our lives. Watch. You see it in the book of Ezekiel. Anybody ever read the book of Ezekiel? Raise your hand if you've ever read the book, any of Ezekiel. Many of you. And it's one of those books you read like, what in the world is this guy talking about? Anybody besides me? Right? Some of you are thinking, man, I'm not sure what planet he was on when he saw that stuff and wrote that book. Well, he was in the spirit. The Lord gave him things. He saw things that the Lord allowed him to see. Right? He's seeing a wheel in the middle of a wheel. Wings on all sides of this box, he describes. And it being carried and eyes on all sides, if you read it in Ezekiel 1 and 2. What was Ezekiel seeing there? And notice, he says it went up and it went down and it moved all through the earth. I'll tell you what he was seeing. He was seeing the glory of God. It was representative of the wheel and the wheel that could move wherever it chose. It was representative of the glory and the spirit of God. And it always moves. It started, if you read Ezekiel, it started in the temple. But it didn't stay in the temple. It rose above the temple. And then it moved throughout the earth. And it was the Lord God revealing to Ezekiel Hey, I'm not always going to just dwell in a temple. You may come to the temple today in this Old Testament structure, but my glory and my spirit is not designed to be stagnant in a place. And so Ezekiel began to see the glory of God, the wheel in the middle of the wheel with eyes looking every direction, moving first from the temple and going, this is the spirit of God moving. And the glory of the Lord was designed to fill the earth. We are designed. I'll go back before Ezekiel. Anybody remember the children of Israel in the wilderness? They left Egypt. They were delivered by the hand of God. Israel or Egypt destroyed in the Red Sea, right? And here they are in the wilderness. How did they get around in the wilderness? Well, they walked. But how did they know which way to go and when to go and when to stop and when to set up camp and when not to set up camp, when to pick up and move? Simple. There was a pillar of cloud by day. There was a pillar of fire by night. Yes? And what did that pillar of cloud and fire do? It moved. And when it moved, they moved. And it was an example to you and I of the moving of the Spirit of God. Is any wonder on the day of Pentecost what came on them and fell in was like tongues of fire. Spirit of God that was moving. And the children of Israel learned when the cloud moves, we move. When the fire moves, we move. We move with it. That's what it means to be led of the Spirit. It's throughout Scripture. It's throughout Scripture. We see it evidenced again and again and again. But then when we were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost like they were on the day of Pentecost, the instruction that we're to learn is we are meant to be led of the Spirit. It goes where it wills, but we move with the Spirit. But that doesn't mean we have zero structure. What's the structure? Where do people get in trouble? They get in trouble because they just follow. They say, oh, I'm just following the Spirit, but they have no structure. And so they get deceived by what the Bible calls familiar spirits. It feels like 
It sounds like it could be, but they have no structure to give them direction and definition. Where does the structure come from? The structure is the word. The word of God is the structure. The spirit will never lead or guide outside of the word of God. The spirit of God will always agree with the word of God. And so the spirit leads. And how, how do we know? Well, because the word agrees. The spirit and the word agree. And so I'm led by the spirit, which doesn't mean I'm loosey-goosey and I got no structure. and I'm just tossed with the wind and every wind of doctrine. That's what Paul warned about. Those people that would be tossed with every wind of doctrine. What is that? They may be led by spirit but they don't have the structure of the word. They're not rooted and grounded in the word of God. And so as a result, when something comes along, they're like those on Mars Hill that Paul spoke to. They're ever looking and seeking to learn or hear some new thing. And when something new comes along, they just go, oh, this must be God. No root in the word of God. And so the spirit gives life and the word gives structure. We need the word of God and we need the spirit of God. If you just have the word, the letter of the law kills. But the spirit, the spirit doesn't do away with the word. The spirit gives the word life. This is God's design for you and I. The spirit of God moves. The spirit of God moves. And the Spirit of God is moving in this hour. And we must seek to move with Him as He moves. We must be led of the Spirit. Romans 8, Paul wrote to the church and he made this declarative statement. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Notice, he did not say as many as are filled with the Spirit of God. We must recognize it's possible to be filled with the Spirit of God, but not led by the Spirit of God. You say, how do you know that? Well, because I'm human just like you, and I've been filled with the Spirit of God, but I haven't always led, been led by the Spirit of God. I've done what I want to do rather than what the Spirit would direct me to do. Anybody besides me? Three of us, thank God. <laughs> I know, we're all human. We're human. So to be called a son of God, I have to be led by the Spirit of God. Why does being led by the Spirit of God qualify me as a son? Because a son is obedient to his father. And when I allow the Spirit of God to lead me, I have an attitude and a spirit of obedience to the father. So he calls me a son. You say, hold on, I'm a lady. I must be a daughter. No, you're a son. Now, don't take, my, don't take what I just said and mix it and go, hold on. He's having gender identity. No, I'm not. He created them male and female, created he them. That's Genesis 2. I believe that. But spiritually, you are a son of God. Okay? You're a son. Why are you a son spiritually? Because this... I know it seems like we're all over the place, but we're just right here where the Lord's leading us. We need understanding about some of the things that are in the word of God. Where people just grab stuff and make it fit. But you got to know what the word, this all matters so that we know who we are when we're filled with the spirit of God. 
Guess who the inheritance goes to? The son. I have daughter. I have two sons. But guess what? My daughter, should the Lord choose and should she agree with what the Lord plans? And I'm not saying the Lord has planned. I don't know. But should she agree with the Lord's plan and it be the Lord's plan, someday she'll get married. She's in no hurry, nor am I. Okay. So, but someday should she'll get married. And when she gets married, she will no longer be a heart. I know I'm hurting some of you ladies' feelings right now. Maybe I don't know. She won't be a heart. Her last name will change. She will take on the name of her husband. I'm not a believer in hyphenated names. It's a scriptural principle. She gives up her identity to take on the identity of her husband. So she takes on his name. There's a principle here. All right. So the inheritance passes to the son. The inheritance goes to the ones with the name. Now, will I give my daughter something? Probably so. Sure I will. But scripturally, if you study, inheritance always went to the son. That's why being the firstborn was so powerful. Right? Because the firstborn really got the earnest of the inheritance. That's why Jesus Christ was the firstborn. Anyway, we, there's so much in there. Now, so sons, this is why we're sons when we're filled with the Spirit. This is why we are called sons of God, whether you're male or female. Because sons of God get the inheritance. Okay? And the Scripture makes it clear. We're heirs with Him. But watch. Once He rescues us, not rescues, that's not the right word. He's already rescued and delivered us. Once He catches us away, we're not sons anymore. Did you know that? Some of you are like, we're not. You're not a son anymore. When the trumpet sounds and he catches away the church, we're no longer sons. Now we become his bride. Now some of you men, see, for the ladies while I go, but now it's for us men. Hold on. You mean, I'm a bride. Hold on. I'm not like that. Yes, we become the bride. It's not a gender thing here in the word of God. It's about the principle of what flows through it. So the son earns the inheritance. But when the church is caught away, we're no longer sons. We're now collectively his bride. And so what? This is what this is why when I went down in the waters of baptism, I did it in Jesus' name. I took on the name. I took on the name. And then he filled me with the gift of the Holy Ghost, which we know from the scripture is the earnest or the down payment of my inheritance. But then when he catches me away and I'm his bride, I hope this doesn't isn't sacrilege to Scripture. But it's common law marriage in heaven. When he calls me and I'm his bride, what's his is mine. What's mine is his. It's all ours. That's the principle of the word. When we're caught away, when we're caught away, it's not common law. Community property. That was the word I was looking for. Community property. We become... See, this is on the earth, it's earnest of our inheritance. Up there, it's not earnest anymore. We become the bride of Christ. How does that happen? By the Spirit and the Word. We're led of the Spirit of God. We are filled with the Spirit of God. Why are we filled with the Spirit of God? Two primary purposes. There's many, many more, but there's, well, there's probably more than two primary. But two we're going to talk about real quick. 
Number one, the reason we're filled with the Spirit of God is so that we can be led by the Spirit of God. Not so we can say, I've got it, I've got it. No, 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 no. To be led by. If I get filled with the Spirit, now I should start seeking to be obedient to the Spirit of God that dwells in me, and it leads me and guides me, the Bible says, into all truth. The problem is some people want to get filled with the Spirit of God, but they have no desire to follow and obey the Spirit of God. And they'll be just as lost as lost can be. You understand that? not trying to be unkind, but if you're filled with the Spirit of God, but you don't follow and obey the Spirit of God, you'll be as lost as lost can be. I'll give you Scripture. The Scripture is very clear. Men stood before the Lord and said, Lord, in your name, we cast out devils. In your name, we healed the sick. In your name, we did many wonderful works. And the Lord will say to them, depart from me. I never knew you. Notice the Lord didn't say, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. I believe they did those things. But the Lord will say to them, depart from me. I never knew you, ye workers of iniquity. What is iniquity? Iniquity is when I do my will rather than his will. I'm self-willed. I can be filled with the Spirit of God and do my will. That's iniquity. That's iniquity. When he says, I never knew you, if you study that, he's literally saying, I never knew you in a relationship that I approved of. Why? Because you were filled with my spirit and my spirit operated through you to do things, but you only used it to do stuff that I wanted to do, but you never gave yourself to being led by my spirit. Interested in the power, but not the relationship. And so primary one reason is the spirit of God. Stand with me. I'm finishing here, please. The spirit of God is to lead us. So that we're led by the Spirit. So that we're led by His Spirit. And in that leading of the Spirit, the Spirit of God is designed to take us in the company of those that the Spirit of God would reach to through us. And so we become vessels through which He works and operates by His Spirit. Not in our flesh, not in the arm of the flesh, but the work of the Spirit of God through our lives. But our structure is always the Word. Always the Word. Always the Word. Always the Word. And then we have, you know, structure is what keeps us from falling apart. If we came in here, and put, you know, we could put up all this sheetrock and all these lights and it would re look really nice. But if we don't have two by fours in the wall, we don't have concrete underneath. This ain't going to stand very long. Got to have the structure. You got to have the word of God. And so the word and the spirit will always agree and they will lead us. This is God's plan. It's important for us today. There's some of you, you believe the word, but you haven't been filled with the spirit. 
There's some of you who've been filled with the Spirit, but you have limited understanding in the Word. And we're all at different places in the journey. The Spirit of God and the Word of God are always designed to operate and function together to accomplish His will in the earth. Would you talk to the Lord where you are right now? Please. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. When the Word of God desires to operate in mine and your life, His Spirit desires to operate in mine and your life. And this simple principle from the Word is critical for us. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, we need your word and your spirit. I pray in every life here today, the quickening of your word by your spirit in us, Lord, that we would be led of you. That we would be led of you for the glory of God. That you would be magnified through our lives. That you would be glorified through our lives. That men would be drawn to you. Father, that we would do the works that you desire to do so that men would see the works and glorify our Father. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Open our understanding today as we read your word and search your word. Let it come alive to us by your spirit. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Let this truth be written upon our hearts. Let me show you something here in the Scripture that, you know, Scripture always agrees with itself. Scripture doesn't contradict itself. If, if you find a contradiction in Scripture, if I find a contradiction in Scripture, all that means is I don't have clear understanding of it. God's Word is infallible. It's infallible. And so I keep seeking because Scripture always agrees with Scripture. Anybody ever heard the psalmist declare, thy word is a, anybody finish that? It is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 119, 105, I believe. Right? Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I've never, I've never seen this before. And in another place, the psalmist says, order my steps. In your word. You ever heard that before? In both of those verses, he doesn't say, lead me by your word. The word is what he wants his steps to be ordered in. The word's the structure. He doesn't say the word is what's leading me. He said the word is simply a lamp for where my feet will go. And a light for my path. Right? I got to go dig more because of the way the Lord started dealing with me about this. But I think we might find many places in Scripture where the Word isn't leading. The Word is a lamp. The Word is a light. It shines on the path. Our steps can be ordered in the Word. But what leads us is the Spirit. How do we know the Spirit's leading us? Because the Word is a lamp. The Word's a light. My steps can be ordered in the Word. And so the Spirit will never lead me 
where the word of God cannot keep me. This is a principle of the word of God. It's a principle. And hear me. Everything of the spirit of God operates within this principle. You say, that's a bold statement. I believe it with every fiber in my being for a lot of reasons we didn't walk through today because you don't want to be here four hours. And some of you know I could go four hours walking through it. But I'm telling you that if we'll lay hold on this and let the Lord continue to deal with our hearts and we'll seek to pursue and understand this, everything of the Spirit of God operates within this principle of His Word as the structure and His Spirit leading. Gifts of the Spirit operate within this principle. Gifts of the Spirit won't operate outside of the Word of God. If they do, it's not God. I'm going to say that again. If they do, it's not God. So you want to be used in the gifts of the Spirit? And we do. The Bible says we should covet earnestly the best gifts. Get in the Word. Let the Word define how that operation should take place. How do we know? How do we try the spirits, whether they be of God, which is what John told us to do? We try the spirits by the Word. This principle is so... I know this is simple this morning. No, it's not making you jump up and down in your seat. Swing from the chandeliers we don't have. Thank God. There used to be chandeliers in here before we remodeled. But this is a principle of the Word of God. Lay hold on it. Spirit and Word. Get rooted in the Word and then be led by the Spirit. Last thing. If you want God to do something miraculous in your life, He's just an armrest. I'm not picking on him. If you and I want God to do miraculous things in our life, you can't expect him to do it outside of his word and his spirit. And sometimes what we want is we want God to do a miraculous thing, but then we don't want to obey his direction for our life. Does that mean God will never do anything miraculous if we don't obey him? No, he's done miraculous things for people that have walked away from him. But obedience is better than sacrifice. And I promise you, if you'll get a heart of forgiveness and repentance and obey the last thing that God gave you to do and walk in his word in obedience, he'll continue to reveal things to you in your life and he'll continue to work in your life in ways you never thought possible. Sometimes you just don't go any further in God because you haven't obeyed the last thing he gave you. Let's thank the Lord before we go. Lord, I thank you for your goodness and your grace. We're nothing without you, but with you all things are possible. We can do nothing without you. I can't breathe, Father, on my own. The breath I have came from you. It's you that breathed into our nostrils the breath of life. I praise you today. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the souls of men that would... Open their hearts and their spirits. We need your word, God. Ride it upon our hearts, I pray. Let this truth of your word be quickened to us again and again. Let it bring understanding and revelation that only you can bring. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. And we thank you, Father. And we give you the glory. And everybody said, Amen.
God bless you. Greet someone today. Thank you for